Right now, I hear all the time, oh, nobody wants to work anymore. I hate that phrase. Um, you know, part of it is that we're using old school techniques to attract employees. We have to change our the way that we're attracting employees to the modern times as well. And when you make those shifts, then you're going to attract people that are in alignment with your core values and your mission. And when you have people that are in alignment with your core values and your mission, they stay, right? But when you just throw out a job description that says two sentences about who we are, here's the job duties, and here's the qualifications you need, click to apply, those don't work anymore, right? So it's a lot of those little things of just really, I mean, as we know, being in business, everything is a people business. You could think you're in the restoration business. You can think you're in the restaurant business. No matter what, you're in a people business. It's all about understanding the people that you're serving and the people that you're working with to create a cohesive um, rock star environment. Welcome to the I Fired My Boss Franchise Podcast. My name is Dan Claps, founder and CEO of Franchise Playbook a franchisor platform where we create, own, and operate dynamic franchise brands in the mobile services space. And my life's goal is to help people just like you fire their boss and become a business owner. And I'm Christian Dadalak, top franchise consultant and co-founder of Real Franchising, a leading franchise consulting firm. And together, we're on a mission to help people fire their boss, hire themselves, and live the American dream through franchise ownership. Welcome to another episode of the I Fired My Boss podcast. You've got Dan Claps here, your co-host with Christian Dadalek. Hey, Christian, how are you? What's up, man? Doing well? Before we uh, before we dive in, uh, I guess I'll just uh, run into... Uh, first time we've ever done this. This is not a normal thing we'll do, but um, we ran into a company, uh, Chase and his company, Silicon Signs, that are a fantastic company. And uh, they, they do some tremendous work in franchising. So we, again, it's not something we do, but they're, they're sponsoring our podcast. They've partnered up with us because we believe in what they do. We believe in their ability to do what they do, which is exterior and interior signage for, for companies. And they do this for companies like Crumble Cookie, Dirty Dead, Capriati Sandwiches, and more. And they take a lot of the headache out of what traditionally would be kind of a painstaking process in getting your signage ready, whether that's permitting, uh, construction, all the typical things that just would be a thing about getting that up and running. So they guide the franchisees through the process of getting their signage up and running and doing it in a way that is not a pain in the butt. They eliminate they, all, the, all the painstaking process of going through that. They'll hold your hand and, and they'll take care of so much of it. Otherwise, it would be just, like I said, a pain in the butt. So uh, we really appreciate their sponsorship. We appreciate their partnership with us. And if you'd like some information about what they do and how to uh, get their help, then go to siliconscience.com. Their, their team is amazing. Like I said, they're going to hold your hand every step of the way in the process. And they're, they're good people. That's ultimately what I think you want. So, again, Silicon Science, uh, go to siliconscience.com if you have any interest. If you want to reach out to us directly and have us put you in touch with them, we can do that too. But siliconscience.com, set up a consultation with them. Uh, and they're, like I said, they're not salespeople. They don't have an in-house sales team. Their goal is to make sure that they're going to set you up for success. So if you have any interest, siliconscience.com. 
and that we're pushing closer. Yeah, and just to piggyback on that, I was blown away by some of the accounts that they have at Silicon Signs. You know, Chase is a real go-getter out of the Midwest, out of Utah, and uh, they've they've landed some large, large, very large commercial accounts, and just because of the level of service they're providing, so we felt comfortable promoting their services on the I Fire My Boss podcast. But anyway, without further ado, we've got our guest here today, Ms. April Porter, someone that you see all over the franchise circuit, uh, very well known in franchising in the in the franchise community, um, has been running her business for a long time. You know our show, we like to give the background to her to explain because she'll do it better. But April, how are you today? Oh, I'm fantastic, Dan. It's great to be here with you guys. Yeah, thanks for coming on. Well, I guess before we get into anything, April, you know, if you've listened to our show, we always let our guests uh, tell their background. So tell us, how'd you get, how'd you stumble into franchising? Yeah. um, Well, for me, prior to franchising, I was a prosecuting attorney here in St. Louis. And I think if anybody knows anything about St. Louis, you know, we have plenty of crime to prosecute. So um, (laughs) I had a long career in that for 10 years and then um, decided I really wanted to do something else. Didn't know what that was. But I saw, I'm sure this is like many stories of your listeners, is I saw a friend who'd opened a kickboxing gym across the state, four hours away in Kansas City. And I just thought it looked cool. Like I was like, man, if I, if I was in the area, I would just go join because this looks awesome. And I sent family over to join my youngest sister. They did. And she's the one who called me and said, Hey, I think we're going to franchise this. Now I had never thought of franchising anything. So I was like, what, how could you possibly franchise? You know, I had all these preconceived ideas that it, that it wasn't, we couldn't afford to franchise. We would never be able to afford that. But I thought if my baby sister can do it, I certainly can do it. And I looked into it and, um, decided, Hey, you know what? There are none of the, this brand didn't exist in St. Louis. We could be the first. And so that's what we did is we brought, um, the kickboxing gym here to St. Louis. And even though I didn't know a thing about running a business, I signed a franchise agreement for three locations, uh, which in retrospect, like luckily it all worked out, but now I'm like, I don't know what I was thinking at the time because I didn't know what I was doing. But, um, but I, t- I so I, we did that and I took a job as a municipal judge in the evenings um, so that I could continue with the law. And so we grew that to four locations in less than three years. And uh, we were named one of St. Louis's 50 fastest growing companies three years in a row. And um, ultimately, we um, did a lot of cool things with it, but I had planned to grow it for about five to seven years and then sell it because I know fitness has, has a lot of fads right? We wanted to sell on top and that's exactly what we did. So we executed that exit strategy in 2020. Um, Despite the pandemic, uh, we did a very successful sale of all four locations. And then I turned around and opened my current company, which is Ask April Porter. And now I teach franchisees all of the business acumen and the mindset, leadership skills, marketing sales, like the way to think about it so that you can add that to the model, to what the franchisor gives you. And that's what really allows you to create that foundation where a business runs itself and you can go on and open the next territory and the next territory and the next. That's excellent. You know, we were chatting before the, um, before we started recording and I was explaining to you that, you know, the size of our corporate team at, uh, at Voda and at Franchise Playbook. And that for me, 
I've decided that when we ran our models and we ran our projections and after years of learning about what is the, the best way to do it, I, I believe that having a success coach for every 20 franchisees is important. There's a stat that you can do 30. But we believe we want to do it better, so it's 20. And to me, those coaches for us, again, in, in this, the rate that we're growing, is it's about like the actual day-to-day business, restoration, cleaning, what to do in very specific scenarios, which we want to handle. But it's amazing to know that our franchisees can engage in additional coaching, mindset coaching, sales coaching, uh, business time management coaching, and everything else that you'll talk about. And that can be off the plate of us as a franchisor because we've already got a lot of support systems going on. So. Um, how does that work? Like, what, what would you say is your sweet spot for a franchisee? They're engaging you for what? What's the what's the area they struggle most in, most in their business with? Well, it's really interesting. Um, they struggle a little bit in all areas, and I think that's just a product of somebody you know who has to come in and wear so many hats as a business owner, and it's just hard to spread your attention. You end up spreading it thin, and you know what they say when you have your attention focused in everything, you kind of do everything uh, mediocrely instead of one thing fantastic, right? So, but I will tell you that what it traces back to is the same in every scenario, which is most franchisees are exiting a job, just like this podcast says, right? I fired my boss. So they're exiting a situation where they were the employee and it was their responsibility to execute the tasks every day and get it done. Well, they bring all of that subconscious programming and all of those habits with them into this role. And a lot of them, even when they're buying the franchise and they imagine what it's going to be like to be a business owner, they're actually imagining what they're going to do throughout the day. And they're imagining, in your case, the restoration piece of the puzzle, right? They're like, okay, I would really help people. I would be able, when there's been a fire, I'll be that person who can come in and really meet with the clients and, and make them feel secure that everything's getting cleaned up, even if they, they know they'll have a crew to help them, right? And as long as they're thinking that way, they're going to fill their schedule with tasks that simply keep the doors open. They just get the job done to keep the doors open. It doesn't necessarily grow or accelerate the growth of the company overall. And um, that's where we come in. So, so on that note, when you're coaching someone, April, do you, what's, what's step number one? Where do you start? What is the typical starting point? Because obviously there's so many different things that you can coach them on, but what's the most important thing? The most important thing, the first aha that they have is the, a new understanding of the franchisee-franchisor relationship. So many people come in believing my franchisor is going to give me everything I need to be successful. Like even they think that both consciously and subconsciously. And so what happens is they go through the initial training and they absorb what you all have to train them on as far as like the day-to-day operations and how to actually, what's unique about your product and your service and getting it in the hands of the customer, right? So they get through that. That's like drinking from a fire hose. And then as it settles down, they go into, a lot of them will go into this like waiting pattern. They don't even know they're doing it, but they're waiting for you to fill in the next gap to go to the next level. And so they're sitting there like, oh, I must be doing pretty good. You know, they haven't given, like my, my, uh, 
business coach is telling me your numbers look good, so I'm doing okay. So they kind of coast and they're just waiting for new information. Um, so they're not necessarily out seeking the, the, to fill in the gaps in their own business and intelligence and their own mindset and all of that. Those are your very top performers. The people who come out and they skyrocket to the top, those are the seekers, right? They're, they already are thinking, okay, I need to supplement this with some business acumen. But you got that whole middle of the pack and they're just going to sit there and wait. And then you have the bottom, which you're going to just start blaming. So the bottom are the ones who are like, this isn't what you told me it would be. You know, basically I work, I, I don't know how to do it. I don't know how to succeed because they're, they're not really, they came in maybe with a little bit less business acumen than the middle people. So, um, so that's how things kind of shake out in that, that bell curve that ends up happening in franchising. You know, it's funny, like one of our core values at Franchise Playbook is this, this you know, whole core value around grit, you know, and grit's the number one determinant of success. There's a great book on it called Grit. And I try to explain to people when they come through our process, if you don't have grit, then we're not the franchise for you. You probably should look elsewhere. But what I've learned quick is that one person's definition of grit is different than another's, right? And so what it takes to own a business you know, is maybe different than what it took to do something else. And obviously a franchise makes it much easier, but I, I think it's interesting because the true test of a franchisee to me is when the when the conflict happens or when the difficult challenge happens and how you're going to adapt to that. Um, and, you know, at Voda, we attract plenty of people that, you know, are not in the day-to-day of their business, but you're still dealing with problems. You're still dealing with things you have to work through. And sometimes a late night or, or you know, I was thinking about myself. I had a problem going on with our system related to the CRM. And I chose yesterday to fix it. I really didn't want to. I really wanted to spend my time on a Sunday doing a million other things. But for two hours, I said, you know, if I don't fix this now, then tomorrow and the next day, the next day, and you have to be able to say, all right, sometimes I got to, you know, have some temporary lack of satisfaction or, you know, or whatever to get to the, the goal. And so we found that's important with franchisees, but sometimes it's just business coaches helping them, right? Like for me, I know that for me, my first years of business have always been the hardest and they get easier. And I remind myself of what year three looks like. And year three is pretty great. Um, And that pushes me through. But if I was a new business owner, I would think, oh my God, is this always going to be like this? This sucks. Mm -hmm. Um, So sometimes it's just having that coach explaining like, hey, this is normal. This is every business. The promised land is a little bit up on top of this hill. Um, So. I was going to say, that's a good point. And that is also what's nice about our franchisees working in groups is because they get to uh, collaborate with franchisees from other brands, but they're all going through the same thing. So it really puts in perspective that, look, it's not alone. You're not alone. And there's nothing that there's nothing wrong with you, right? You're not stupid. You're not asking dumb questions because a lot of them will say, this is dumb question. No, there's no dumb questions. It's that this is business and there's a huge learning curve and everybody's going through the same thing. And um, that actually gives them a lot of um, relief, I think. Okay. And then it also gives them another sense of confidence because it brings back hope. When it When you think it's you, you start to lose a little bit of hope. Like, oh my gosh, what did I get myself into? How am I ever going to do this? Maybe I made a mistake. But when you're like, no, this is the road to hoe. Oh, okay. Well, then I just need to learn how to hoe the road, right? So. If you'd like our help investing in a franchise at no cost to you, 
head over to ifiredmybosspodcast.com and fill out the form to schedule a free consultation. I love this talk because it's the talk that nobody wants to have about mindset. Everyone thinks it's so intangible that it's hard to measure and quantify. But those are the, I think that is what separates the top performers from those that are. What I'm curious to hear about is, you know, it sounds like you work with franchisees from all types of different brands, which is amazing. Um, what kind of success stories can you share? Oh, my gosh. There are so many success stories. So one of them... Um, it's funny because people would think that maybe it was the middle or the bottom that are finding us and coming to us, but we work with a lot of top, top performers and what their struggle is that's different is they're not concerned about revenue because they're at the top. They're concerned about a break. They got to the top many times by burning, you know, the candle at both ends. And so generally when they come, like, for instance, I was working with a franchisee. She was number one in her entire franchise. And when she came to me, she said, I really, honestly, I'm considering just walking away from the whole thing because I don't know how much longer I can do this. And she's like, I haven't taken even a single day off since we opened. And it was a seven day a week business. So I said, well, then that has to be what we do is in your first 60 days, you're taking a vacation. And a vacation means that you get to enjoy your time off and not be bombarded with phone calls and questions about what to do by, you know, from your employees because they can't handle it on their own or emails. You're not checking your email to like and doing that. So we, we work, that was that was our goal for her. And that's what we worked on. And it was, I think day in like 45 days was her birthday. And she took off like a long weekend for the first time with her husband. Um, and she couldn't believe it. Like, she's like, I didn't believe it was possible that in that short amount of time, I could leave my business and not be bothered by my employees during that time. So so that's huge for, for the people at the top. We've had people who've credited us with um, saving their marriages just because it's so stressful on a marriage, especially when both people are working in the business and every conversation starts to turn to the business, right? So how do we create healthy boundaries where a couple can ha- can work on the business when it's business time, but still have a loving relationship that that revolves around the things in life that bring us joy? All of the reasons that we're working so hard, it's not to... It's not to live our entire lives in the business. It's to actually create a better life full of joy. And so, um, so those are two that, you know, kind of come to mind right out, right out of the gate. So what do you do when, you know, you're facing a franchisee who says, well, April, you know, I get what you're saying about business, but you're not in my business. You're not in my market. You're not in, you know, roofing or whatever. Like, how do you, how do you address that question? That's really interesting. I know franchisors get that a lot from their franchisees and we don't. And I know that sounds like it, a bunch of crap. <laughs> like, There's no way we're hearing all the time. You have to hear it too. No, we don't because what we teach them and franchisors may not want to hear this, but we teach them that you're right. You do have a unique market and you do have a unique you are somewhat unique. And the the reality of it is that's true. People in New York live by a different code and have a different culture than people in Alabama. 
people in LA live life differently than people in Miami. You know, so so there is, and it reminds me um, in the kickboxing gyms. One, when I was in the kickboxing gyms, the the franchisees in Miami were communicating to the franchisor, like, look, the Britney Spears that's playing on the radio that we're required to play does not work here. We need Latin music. We need Latin music in our gyms. And they did need Latin music because that's what the customer related to. So, so there is a little bit of an aspect um, of cultural identity. Now, how we teach that is that you have to understand your customer. Then you apply the model to your customer. So we teach them that you don't go off model. You just have to understand your customer. And that comes through in your local marketing and your sales. And your the way, the words you choose to convey the message. It doesn't change the message. It's just the way that you convey it in your area might be adapted for the way it's conveyed there, right? I mean, in the South, it'd be yes, ma'am, yes, sir. That's not how people are talking to each other in New York. Yeah, it's interesting. And then there's a whole generational, um, whole generational component, right? Like of communication and communication styles. And, um, you know, we were thinking about like, it's not operational, but we had a candidate that, um, younger candidate and just probably used to a certain communication style and, a, you know, but like what I thought was interesting was, um, you know, I come from a generation where ghosting is pretty normal in the dating scene. Not right, but normal happens probably more than, you know, my dad and, and generations prior. Um, it's even worse, but now. So, you know, we, we, we had some younger candidates in our process that did that. And we're like, look, like that might be normal in your dating scene, but it's not going to, it's not going to work here. You know, no, thank you. Um, but I thought it was interesting because like at the end of the day, that that's actually a part of this gen, another generation's thought process. And then it's like, well, what do you do with your, your customers? You're going to ghost them too. Um, and, and it's interesting because I'm of course stereotyping, but I've hired plenty of people in the, the Gen Z category. And I learned that so much of my uh, management was around what was going to help them a ton, which is who I am anyway. But I found it actually to the extreme. Uh, so anyway, you got to deal with, you got to deal with market differences cultural differences, uh, generational differences, but all of these fold back up to the core principles of business, which is the same across any vertical. Exactly. And so I can imagine if you can get them to realize that it's, uh, it's easier to do your job. Exactly. And those uh, generational differences, those really come into play in, you know, your staffing. And it comes into play in the way that you communicate with different staff members, the way that you problem solve, the way that you do performance reviews, but also in the way that you're attracting new employment candidates to you. So right now, I hear all the time, oh, nobody wants to work anymore. I hate that phrase. Um, you know, part of it is that we're using old school techniques to attract employees. We have to change our the way that we're attracting employees to the modern times as well. And when you make those shifts, then you're going to attract people that are in alignment with your core values and your mission. And when you have people that are in alignment with your core values and your mission, they stay, right? But when you just throw out a job description that says two sentences about who we are, here's the job duties, and here's the qualifications you need, click to apply, those don't work anymore, 
right? So it's a lot of those little things of just really, I mean, as we know, being in business, everything is a people business. You could think you're in the restoration business. You could think you're in the restaurant business. No matter what, you're in a people business. It's all about understanding the people that you're serving and the people that you're working with to create a cohesive um, rock star environment. Yeah, for sure. So my other question I wanted to, well, I guess like for anyone that's listening, we have a lot of listeners. We have franchisees, we have prospective franchisees, we have franchisors, and we have franchise suppliers. Um, if someone's listening, like what's what's the perfect um, potential partner for you or potential client for you, you know, who, who should reach out to you? Well, we love working with franchisors because we can help them in such a unique way that really isn't being taken advantage of in many brands right now. And there's two different things. Um, every franchisor, you know, if I ask that, if I ask you guys, what is the criteria you have for who do you want to bring into your brand, right? Well, most people want someone with business experience. That's at least one of the things. And, but a lot of brands will bring someone on who just is so passionate about what they do and has a great attitude. They're like, well, that overrides the business experience, right? Which I believe is true. But where we're missing the boat is then we're not teaching, they're not giving them business experience on the back end. We just totally forego that piece of criteria. So that that's the gap that we fill, that it's not really being done. It's like, well, we'll bring them on and teach them the model and then we'll rely on their enthusiasm and passion for it to take them as you know to the top. Well, they're still missing that business intelligence piece. So we can help in a couple of different ways. One, we actually have a program right now in the works where we can take candidates. Candidates could be required to go through that program so that they are getting, they're starting to understand what it means to be a business owner and what their responsibilities are and what they need to bring to the table to apply to the model um, so that when they sign their franchise agreement, they're not under this delusion or assumption that I just have to, like we talked about earlier, I just have to be ready to receive whatever my franchisor gives me and that's, that's all I have to do and I just have to do what they say. Right. So it sets them up for understanding, you know, you, you have a role to play in the growth of this business. So that's one way we can help um, create more qualified candidates. And then on the other end, we can supplement the franchisor's training uh, again. So the franchisor can just concentrate on training the model. That is your expertise. That is where you guys should be innovating and you guys should be growing is in the operations of the model and not worried about all the ancillary stuff. So we come in and support you by, by teaching them the ancillary things to apply to the model. And that helps you all with your bandwidth and your budget as well so that you can concentrate more on that side of the growth. Excellent. Well, thank you, April, for joining us on another episode of the I Fired My Boss podcast brought to you this episode by Silicon Signs. Great company to look at if you're a franchisor looking to expand with signage and a lot of large franchisors as well as smaller franchisors as well that are growing. And we love the founder because of his commitment chase to, to, uh, to, to growing with companies and really to a commitment to, to customer service. 
which is a core value of, at, at my company as well around the obsession over customer experience. And if you're enjoying the podcast, please hit the like button, subscribe, give us a review, reach out to April if you enjoyed what she had to say. And uh, thanks again. We'll see you on the next one. You're f***ing fired. If you want to say those words to your boss, make sure you head on over to ifiredmybosspodcast.com and fill out the form to schedule a no-cost consultation. And if you enjoyed this episode, make sure to subscribe, leave a review, and share with a friend who might also want to fire their boss. 